it the fact that they were... You don't think that's because they actually listened to us because they were... Because um, we already recorded that. I would say don't undersell the power of this podcast. I guess, but still, like, that's just weird. It's like we said it on the podcast and then they're like, oh, we're going to do it. I'm like, oh, well, you know we what? We haven't even released our episode yet. At least let us get our complaints out before you, like, try and fix your problems. It's like this Sonic thing, you know? It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, people complained about how fucking Sonic looked when it's like, guys, did oh, you right, watch the, the trailer? That movie was never going to be good. It didn't matter how accurate that character looked. This movie's never going to be good. Like, this is what pisses me off about, like, moviegoers today. They're more concerned with, like, how accurate Sonic looks than whether the movie's going to be good or not. And we wonder why we're not allowed to have nice things. Oh, are we rolling? I just realized that we're rolling. What's oh, up, yeah, people? we're rolling. This is... I gotta get on to my usual sequitur now. We're, you know, we're on, we're back on the Talking TV podcast. I'm Dom, the movie nerd. You guys know how it goes. But I'm here once again with my co-host, Chris, the TV nerd. Chris, how you doing, buddy? What's going on, guys? I finally fought the urge to wave because I realized we're not doing video yet. Yeah, it took so, you long enough. But and then that's then when we finally start doing video, I'll be out of a habit that I should have been doing. But I, th- I guess that just speaks to sort of like the tone of this episode because it, it's normally our habit is to come in full swing and sort of like take this thing by the rails and don't get yeah, me wrong we time. we have I'm, a good episode with this will be oh, a good episode but the but thing is i feel like this movie kind of beat me down yeah, as an icebreaker as an icebreaker i'm just gonna say like don't expect like a big loud ruckus episode like i'm just trying as ho- gonna try emphasis on trying as hard as possible because you know me i i sometimes i usually don't control myself i usually just get a, going on a rant and then that's it but yeah, this time right? I'm just trying to keep it nice and calm and steady as we try to decipher exactly what the fuck it is that we just watched. Because, yeah. oh my God. We, we saw it last night, and I still don't well, know last what the night, fuck to make of it. Obviously, we got to so. specify the fact of this episode, obviously, will be released on Wednesday. We are talking, of course, about the oh, previous right, right, Friday right. when we watched it. I forget these uh, things. We're recording this thing on a Saturday. We're keeping to a consistent schedule now. I think we're doing pretty well. But so, Chris... And co-host of the year goes to the movie nerd. And, well, I was about to, well, that's the thing. There could only ever be one co-host, and I would never, ever, ever want to take the spot from the great Tony Guerrero. I don't care what contracts he signed with Spill.com. He is still mm-hmm. the one and only co-host. There will never be another one quite like him. But... Oh, man. So, Chris, I guess in order to, like, kind of break down some of the history behind this, so... I, I guess I should first ask you, what's your relationship with Blumhouse Studios up to this point? It's it's I would say it's very non-existent, to be honest with you. This I mean, while you speak here, I'm going to look up what they've done. But this may be my my introduction. Well, I already know it's well, I already know it's not because you watched Glass last year. You were literally referencing it. M. Night Shyamalan's oh. kind of made his home there. He did Split and Glass for them. They produced Get Out. They produced. The most recent Halloween. You've you've seen a decent amount okay. of movies. Then them. I guess I haven't really paid attention to it because I honestly, now that you've named off a few of those films, I wasn't really that impressed aside from yeah. the likes of Get Out. It's so well. Well, the, the, my my whole relationship, my relationship with them is they're kind of. I've always had a very interesting relationship with horror movies, but my whole thing with them is that. They've always been the types of people to kind of express what it is that I dislike, both about the genre and just about movie making in general. And just, hey, let's find the cheapest way possible to make the most generic schlock. But what got me about them, I guess what tricked me about them, is in recent years they seem to actually be doing 
what again is something that we loved about TV for so long, which is oh, that, they did Black Christmas. Yeah, they did. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, thanks so, for so, constantly reminding me about that movie. But <laughs> I so, feel like I bring that film up too much. But real quick, before you go bit into too this, much. let me just say then that I haven't been impressed with Blumhouse, whereas when I first saw Lady Bird, which was my first A24 film, I instantly went home, looked that studio up, had to find out more. So I guess, yeah, that kind of paints. My relationship with Blumhouse, if I had to do a little Facebook thing, I would say it's complicated. <laughs> now, Dom, take it away. So you're... Just so people know, though. Who was it that shitty movie? Was that, was that an Adam Sandler movie, or was that a Sandra Bullock movie? Anyway, that's one of those late 2000s oh, rom-coms God, I that I don't about care that about. Shit. I'm Jesus like, so are Christ, you an Adam man. Sandler movie? But I'm like, damn, I can't even remember uh, the celebrity to make that joke oh they about. did ma yeah okay so it yeah, is complicated ma. yeah it is definitely complicated <laughs> uh, that, that's honestly that's a very accurate statement yeah. i would say because again they've made i think some really good movies that have actually like changed my perception that like oh no horror is a genre that still has something to offer but then they go and do shit like black christmas uh, <laughs> they do shit like that they do shit like truth or dare oh, and i'm like God, stop you're hurting what? me you're hurting what? me i'm like what are you doing like you did split you did get out it's like but then they do shit like black clansman yeah you're right they, so well, what the well, fuck well that's a different story that's a scenario of a filmmaker making a film and they just happen to be in the market to produce it it's like sure these okay. guys will these guys gotcha. will pay like nothing for distribution costs and my movie will still like get seen by people sure because mm -hmm. like i said they get they did get out which to me is so much more than just a horror movie it's they were behind black clansman they did whiplash they, they produced whiplash which is one of the best movies of this decade so <sighs> Their track record has definitely been hit or miss, to say the least. Yeah. But I feel like this movie, it's a little bit of a mixed bag because this movie kind of encompasses everything that I love about Blumhouse and everything that I hate about Blumhouse. And what movie are we talking about, Chris? Well, unfortunately... Do you just want me to say it? Do you want, do you want to even do a sequitur for this? I kind of just want to jump in. I don't want to waste any time with this. Like, Yeah, I mean, like... I don't want them to think that we're not happy to be here right now because we are. It's just like that if you've this seen this movie, you know how physically draining it is on your spirit. Really, so, Dom, really is. why don't you tell them what we're talking well, about well, well, today? Well, in order to kind of preface, I will say that it's draining in the best way possible because I will say is that as terrible as this movie was, yeah, I'm just knocking this out of the park right now. I'm ripping this Band-Aid right off. As terrible as this movie was, at the very least, I had fun. And that would, of course, be Blumhouse's. They, they made sure because they included it on... They they made sure you knew that this was Blumhouse's because they included that shit on every single title card in this movie and in every trailer. This is Blumhouse's 2020 remake of Fantasy Island, directed by the great Jeff Wadlow, who gave us a cinematic, such cinematic gems as Kick-Ass 2 and Truth or Dare. Kick-Ass was cool. Kick -ass. I didn't really like the second one I, too much. Well, that's the funny thing about that is that Kick-Ass <laughs> 2 I actually don't hate, but now I that I think it, about yeah. it, it's mostly just because... That, that movie saving grace is the fact that because Matthew Vaughn is still a producer, that movie still has just a touch bit of heart that made the first one great. But that movie is so mean-spirited, almost to a fault, but like there's still just enough entertainment schlock that I'm like, okay, I can, I can handle this. So this movie is based on, a, if that title sounds familiar, it's because this movie is actually based on a 70s TV show. One of those shows that you're like, oh wow, this was a thing. It kind of like is in that echelon of like island related proper tv show properties somewhere between gilligan's island and lost that kind of got lost in the shuffle pun intended i'd never heard of the show before this movie but the film basically centers around five gorgeous looking model people because that seems to be blumhouse's other feature right now it's just <laughs> kind of remaking like schlocky cw products and jimmy o yang 
and Jimmy O Yang. Yeah, <laughs> literally. I, we, 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 we're not to take a shot at Jimmy O Yang, but no, like, not at all. You get four gorgeous-looking CWS models in Jimmy yeah, O Yang. Yeah, it's yeah. like, but hey, Jimmy O Yang's the one who could act. Out of true, the bunch. true. So, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the other four people being Maggie Q, uh, Austin Stowell. Uh, Ryan Hansen, and of course the the great the the Nifa. I think the multi-nominated Nifa actress for fucking terrible performance with Lucy Hale mm-hmm. as uh, the main girl, who is I, yeah. I guess is supposed to start out as like our horror meta character, where it's like, oh, I'm gonna be the character that points out all the all the horror meta things that happen in this movie. Yeah, she's like the info dump. And they're approached, of course, by the owner of the island, who is Mr. Rourke. In the original TV series, he was portrayed by Ricardo Montalban, and in this version, he's portrayed by Michael Pena. I'm not going to say that that's a step down, because that would be a gigantic insult to Michael Pena, who has proven time and time again that he is talented and really funny when utilized well. I'm not going to say that this is not one of those scenarios, but I'm also not going to say that it is one of those scenarios. I'll kind of leave that up to the... I'll kind of leave that up to ambiguity. And so basically it's a simple case of like, yeah, they're on this island. They won these tickets and they clearly find out that not everything is as they suspected. They find that they are living their fantasies in obviously the ways that they did not think that they would be. Um, one of the, the one of one of theirs dad died in Vietnam, so he finds himself in like this random war zone where he's like serving with soldiers, and one of them being his dad. These other two, these half, you know, these I forget, so, like half brothers, yeah. step brothers, like the like this white guy and this Asian guy. They're like just a big millionaire party. But just to backtrack a little bit, so they can understand what you're saying by that, because that is true. Basically, it, it's sort of they diverge. These five that you first meet, getting off the plane to the fantasy island, air quotes, and then. Sort of their 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 fantasies bring them together. Um, you know, there's a twist, of course. There of has course. to be a twist. But Always. but so each each of them sort of go on their own individual journey within the same space, this fantasy island, and then it there's a divergence. So Dom, please take it from there. I just want to make that clear. So when we tear this thing apart in a few minutes, it's just there's no misunderstanding well, from us. Honestly, in the audience. I'm glad that honestly <laughs> I'm glad that you cut me off because I was basically at the end of my summer. I feel like literally I would have to like go yeah. in to explain beat for beat what this movie actually encompasses in order to explain it because yeah, very yeah. similar. To Jeff Wadlow's track record, I guess I can start by summing up my thoughts on this movie, which is that this movie has no fucking idea what it wants to be. Now, granted, what I will say is that doesn't necessarily make for a terribly enterti- not entertaining time, because not unlike a film that I saw last year entitled Serenity, this film, again, has a twist that, while not quite to the level of Serenity, just creates for one of the most bonkers batshit, are you fucking kidding me, how is this on the big screen? type of moments that again it doesn't make for quality filmmaking because again this movie is not good in any way shape or form but man does it keep you invested and man you are you you are locked in and you're like man i i gotta see how this finishes you know you 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 had my curiosity movie now you have my attention even though i know i'm looking at a steaming pile of shit you just can't help but look you away. Can't help but look it's away. like a bad you, you car crash, as they away. like to say. Literally, no, it's not a bad car crash. It's it's when you know a car accident is about to happen. You know, it's uh-huh. like right, you right, know right. it's going to happen. You know it's bad, and yet you somehow can't look away. I feel like that is the perfect metaphor to describe this movie. I guess I'll give my little take on it. There were parts of this movie where I felt like I was watching. Um, a shitty little Indiana Jones scene or like it too almost the arc felt like 
Like it just because it too, again, if you remember that episode, I very much so felt that that movie really didn't know what it was trying to say or where it was trying to go. Was it an adventure movie? Was it a horror film? Was it a thriller? I couldn't tell you. And I think that this movie falls in the same category. But the number one thing that really kind of ticked me off because it would have been so fulfilling to me as a diehard fan of this series, my favorite show of all time, Lost, if the homage was good and if it was done well. But just the way that they butchered it is really, I think, the it, it sort of amplified the bad taste people have in their mouths from how this series ended series ended and and that frustrates me because that show is just so excellent and so it was almost like to me it felt like they were just still like pissed off fans of lost and i'm just kidding around here but to honestly a little bit of it felt like hey we have some disgruntled fans of the show lost who just want to fucking say like hey you know what lost fuck you guys, we're still pissed about how you ended it, look how bad your show actually was. And, I, you know, like, that's know. how silly and, and, and crazy this movie is. Pissed off. But it's a couple things. <laughs> Number one, again, this movie is based off of a show that kind of existed before Lost, so again, the kind of I don't want to say the trend was already there, but like the this idea of like people going to an island or whatever that that's not necessarily the thing. Now, what I will say is this movie obviously takes its cues from Lost at certain points, you know, with specific plot moments that we can get into. But I feel like you're already kind of giving this movie too much credit for actually, you know, like oh trying God, to put really? any thought into it because okay. there was there was no fucking. This was a situation where I'm like, wow, this is. This is not even a script. This is literally just let's make shit up as we go along. Because halfway through the movie, I was still lost. I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck is happening. You know, like this movie has no setup or established rules or anything like that. It changes beats and tones about every 15 minutes, literally. Like it goes from being a war movie to a comedy to like a heist drug movie to a, a, a torture to a torture fest. And, and all the while, it's like it's got this really terrible, super shallow undertone that, of course, is anchored in Lucy Hale's breathtaking performance because I don't know what it is about Jeff Wadlow and her, but he seems unable to be able to have her in a movie of his yet where he can have her portray anybody other than just a shallow, self-centered, really dumb, like, bit. Like, I get it. They're, sh they're shallow and self-centered characters. But then there's, like, writing them in such a way where it's like, not even a three-year-old could have come up with something this dumb, you know? Like, if you actually <laughs> yeah. think about it. So, I guess, like, to kind of jump ship there, like, what's, um... Like, I don't know. I don't. I literally don't even know where to go because this movie just left me so confused. I'm like, I could pick up on one plot point. The problem is that the plot points shift like 15 minutes in. None of the acting is compelling to me. I find that the, the scenery, it's more cheapo Blumhouse production with absolutely nothing going for it, which again is most of the case with Blumhouse. But the thing that gives them credit to me is the fact that they're able to take... So, such a low budget and actually be creative with it. So I guess my question for you then is what do you, what do you make of Blumhouse's model here? Like, like what, what was their thought process going in? Like, was it just to like make another shitty cash grab remake? But even still, it's like, it's fantasy Island. Who the hell in our, in modern day audiences knows what fantasy Island is, you know, like, well, what was the goal here? Like I'm legitimately confused. Well, I mean, I, I think, first off, I, I have to ask you, actually. I do yeah. want to answer that, but let's shelf this for now. Uh, to my understanding, it's, yes, the studio is 
producing the film and, and funding the money and helping with the distribution. And, and, you know, that's a huge part of it. But there's a creative team that is first sort of writing this in their bedroom, like you and I are doing with our scripts right now, that then they have to pitch it to things. So I feel like that question is better asked at, like, the directors, right? I mean, obviously Blumhouse chose to take on the project. I don't know. But I like, feel like that's we got to do research into who exactly, like, but, made but the But can the studio decision. get all the credit that you're giving uh, them for I don't producing know. this? Because I, I don't know. It's tr- Again, it's They're tricky. not necessarily, like, a part of the creative side, right? Right. I mean, they're helping fun creative titles. It just, I feel like in a movie that feels like it's lacking so much creative thought. It, it's more, you know, it's like it, situations where it's like, okay, I get it. Obviously, there's a lot of creative thought process that goes into it, but it's in a movie where it literally, there doesn't feel like there's like, I mean, there is a story, there is a plot trajectory, but it's like things just keep happening to a point where it's like, is, is this even like a script anymore? Or it, like, is there a story here? Or is this just, let's just throw as much shit as we can at the screen and see what sticks, you know? Because that's what this felt like to me for most of it. Yeah, um, so I guess I had never heard of the original title that this comes from, so as far as I'm concerned, maybe they thought that there was something there from the original source material that never really hit a height. I don't know how far that original source material went, though. Me neither. I've never heard of it, so maybe they thought they had a chance to really, you know, tap into something that was sort of sitting there, a hidden gem. I think it's clearly going to fail, and, you know, the thing about this film that baffles me the most is that simultaneously it, it, it's it does so much and is there's so much wrong with it but like you said it was very entertaining yeah. how look, why is that because that's what's really blowing my mind about this like i can't say i had a bad time watching that film if anything it's the complete opposite but i can also say that it was a terrible film and i love movies like black christmas that allow me to have this sentence but it just, that is one of the most fascinating things to me about watching film, analyzing film, becoming a film lover. It's just the way that that works, right? Isn't that like, that's like one hell of a thing. I think the key difference here between something like this and something with Black Christmas is that Black Christmas, it feels like, though they're both remakes, but Black Christmas feels like something that for the most part just has no thought or effort put into it. That's one where it's just like, okay, let's just play this super safe. It's every horror cliche that you've seen in the book. And at the end, we'll treat you for sitting through almost two hours of boredom with a little bit of schlock and fun. This movie, and this is actually where I do give credit to the creative team because the thing about this guy, Jeff Wadlow, Again, it's one of the craziest names ever, and I never thought that I would be hearing more from that guy. But I noticed this after his movie that he did two years ago, Truth or Dare, which is also not a good movie. But to me, it is still an entertaining one where there's just something about the stories that he picks to, you know, or that gets selected for him to direct that he just knows how to make them entertaining. I don't think it comes from any actual creativity, but he's almost like a you a bull in the sense where his movies are so bad that they're entertaining. Like, he's not a good creative director at all. Like, I don't think there's anything creative about his style. Like, you look at a Jeff Wadlow movie, and you're like, that's not a Jeff Wadlow movie. It's a fucking Blumhouse movie, you know? But there's just something about the way that he directs schlock and the way that he embraces his source material, the source material that he gets, that I'm just like, hey, man. You just need a better writer, honestly, and you might actually have something on your, on, on, you know, on your side. Because I think there is potential in the way that he directs. Yeah, I mean, maybe the way that he sort of sets the stage in a sense, but I'm not going to lie, that opening sequence of them running through the jungle and and sort of like how we first see the, the mansion on the island, I, I thought that that was very poorly shot. I thought right. most of the film was very poorly shot, but I thought what happened within those shots was entertaining and was exciting. So maybe it's sort of like this director has 
a good eye to take something terrible and make it good, but whoever did the photography on that, I wasn't particularly a fan of. It's definitely so, a situation where... Because uh, I know directors have their guys, right. so maybe he... This might hold him back, I think, personally. To me, this is a classic example, at least if we're talking specifically about this movie. This is a classic example of what we hear about all the time. You know, this goes all the way back to the original Star Wars, where it's like, good story, with, with the prequels, I mean. Good story, terrible execution, where as bad as this movie was, and as generic, and as much of a ripoff, and as terrible as it was to watch at certain points, I think there is something there. I think that there is a story here that could work. Whether you want to make an entertainment schlock fest, whether you are like actually want to say something, which I can't imagine that it does, but considering the fact that this movie is ripping off so much from other movies that actually do work, I can't help but wonder, I'm like, okay, is there actually, like, some thought in it? And even if it is just, like, they just want to, like, have a fun time and make this, like, a schlocky horror movie, good, go all out, do that. But it's one this thing that I've been saying about these movies for years, stop trying to have your cake and eat it, too. Pick a direction and stick with it, because there's all over the place, like, one minute, it's a CW it's like a Riverdale love yeah, fest type it's, thing. It, yeah, it's that. It's it's they're, they're all bull, hitting on nonsense, each other in this like shitty ass looking like mansion bar. Yeah, and, and the next minute it's like a dad reconnecting, like, like yeah. a, a son getting over his daddy trauma by reconnecting with his long lost dead dad, and then it's these two idiots on a party in a, in a party in a cruise like getting attacked by drug lords it's like yep, what yep, the yep. hell and this is not even getting into the halfway point once it's revealed what the island actually is with the Mister Rourke character, I'm like. Well, one thing I do really enjoy that you just kind of going off on that really made me think of is the fact of how unapologetic this film really is. Because it literally took, if you want to go to the son and the father, they're on this mission, they're American soldiers in the jungle of Venezuela. Essentially what happens, guys, just so you know, so when I elaborate here, there's no confusion. His father dies when he's a very young kid. They get ambushed. The mission goes wrong. His father is such a natural-born leader, a hero of this troop of, I forget, they're like army soldiers, whatever they are, they're in the jungle. And so he falls on a grenade, he risks his life, and saves his troops. So, in this weird little fantasy, the son, who we see as just about yeah, the, his dad's the age. The Austin Stowell character. I don't, remember any of these character. Char- I don't remember any of these characters' names. Don't ask me for that. Yeah, and honestly, if you remember these characters' names, good on you, but that's information you do not need to house. Now, that being said, basically, this sort of... The way that he convinces his father that he is his son, it's sort of like they walk off, they have a private conversation, and he's like, all right, I believe you now. Like, literally, in 30 seconds yeah. later, there's like three lines back and forth. It's like, no, I'm. How, how can I tell you're my son? Because this very nondescript detail that, honestly, anyone else could have guessed about my childhood, I just said to you right now, and his dad's like... Okay, you knew my nick. You knew my son's nickname. You are my son. Yeah. It's what do bu- we do? It's a bunch of tropes that we've seen before. Like, so, you've but seen I love that how like time. I love how they don't even try though to yeah. disguise it. That's part of the fun. It, but again, that's also part of the problem. Yeah. So, and with that like, being said, and, and, and that is a point that I want to bring up maybe later towards the end of this podcast. Like the, again, just like the fact that we can find entertainment in these things it, from something so blatantly not trying at all. Mm-hmm. But like. I guess what I'm trying to figure out about this movie and what still has me baffled, because for the most part, like, this to me is like a one-word review where it's like, it's fun if you want to just go out and have a fun time with your friends and then just leave it at that. But, like, the thing that still fascinates about this movie is, besides the elements that actually still do try... Here, I got you. I got you. Please, please help me. Because I want to know if you're a creative 
if you're someone who is is wanting to make films and is at the level that you are to have Blumhouse produce your movies, right. like that's no joke. Like you want to impress here. You want to impress to be able to springboard and go on to do bigger and better things. So who in their right mind, and I hate disrespecting someone's talents because I would hate for someone to say the same thing about me, but I got to be honest here. No one in this film could act. No I one. Know, I, I know no you said one that in this movie sort could of act. like the island's Jacob guy uh, yeah. from Lost, the even, Jacob from Lost guy. I, I honestly Pena thought care. he was, yeah. Even I Michael he was Pena, terrible. who we've seen be good. He is the life and heart of those two Ant-Man movies. He has been terrific at things like End of Watch, Observe and Report. He has proven time and time again that he is not only one of the funniest, but one of the best and brightest spots that we have. And why he keeps getting stuck as these terrible generic supporting characters when he should have, quite frankly, gone on to do some incredible awards caliber work by now, I don't know. But whatever the case may be, whatever, you know, he's found his niche. I don't disrespect anybody for getting work. It's not funny at all. But... They, they stick him as the caretaker part and they make him a charmless character. Like, there is nothing remotely enjoyable to watch about that character. You get Michael Pena for a part, you know, okay, at the very least, I know this character is going to be entertaining to watch. He is going to be entertaining, he is going to be charming, you know, whatever. But they have him in the most boring part of the movie. In a movie that's already filled with people who are just boring to watch. You know, you got one who's overdramatic, one who's just a bitch. Literally, like, and we'll get into that. Don't worry. One, the, the these two idiots, like Jimmy O Yang, is supporting this one guy that looks like a younger Dax Shepard ripoff. That I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, like this guy literally looks like he got, had his brain sucked out from his nose. Like this guy wouldn't have two brain cells to work together. Literally to the point where when they kill this guy, oops, spoilers. I'm literally laughing. And I almost feel bad that Jimmy O. Yang's like, oh, I'm gonna sacrifice. I, I, I'm only doing him in the Jin Yang voice, even though he doesn't do that at the end. But he's like, oh. I'm going to stay here so that my brother can come back. And then you see the brother and you're like, why would you do that? Like, you have so much potential, Jimmy O. Yang, just from being you. Why would you bring this fucking idiot back? And I haven't gotten to talk about Maggie Q, Q yet, who is, is the only person in this entire thing that doesn't have a fantasy that tries to kill her, you know? Because that's what we think is going to be the first twist. The fact that, the, and I'm sorry, but this is just where we get into the spoiler, into the spoilers of this movie because this is like the only thing that I can find to actually compensate about. So It's a tough movie to talk first about. First off, Maggie Q is the only one of these goddamn fantasies that don't try to kill her because the whole thing is that every one of their fantasies try to kill her. Jimmy O. Yang and the brother, whatever his name is, I already forgot his name. Their whole thing is they have the, they have the super rich swanky party filled with all these models and they get attacked by these drug dealers that supposedly they took the house from. We already explained the Austin Stowell character and his thing with his dad. And then Lucy Hale's whole fantasy is the fact that she can get revenge on a childhood bully of hers. You know, like high school who era. Per- portrayed by Portia Doubleday from uh, AKA Angela from, from Mr. Robot. And of course, you're like a rational human being. She has a change of heart and like frees her. And they're getting pursued by like this Frankenstein monster looking surgeon character. It looks kind of like one of the monsters from Cabin in the Woods. And that's their whole thing. And then they end up running into Michael Rooker and that's a whole thing. But so Maggie Q is the only one whose fantasy doesn't try to kill her. And what does she do? Oh, I have this perfect life with this gorgeous looking man that does my every need. And oh, I have a daughter now and I got to live the fantasy. And of course, because this movie is so shallow, it's like, oh, that's not good enough for me. I'm too selfish for wanting this. So now I have to go back. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Just shut. That that was one of those moments where I'm yeah, like, like, movie, shut the fuck up. Like, come now, on. Now let me ask you this though, because like there aren't, all bad actors in this film like we've seen Jimmy O Yang we've seen a few of these other people really 
perform well in other roles. So what is it a testament to that there, in my opinion, was not a single worthwhile good performance in this entire film? Terrible to no direction. That's my only, because literally no joke. So I've been on set and I've seen it. As much as we love directors, directors besides making sure, directors really only have two jobs. Making sure that everything is running smoothly and dealing with the talent. Those are directors' two primary jobs on set. And I don't know what the direction that was given to these actors were. I have no idea whether Wadlow, like, directed these guys to think that they were in an actual, like, if they were in a horror movie like they were in a schlock, I have no idea what kind of direction he he was giving, and it clearly showed, because none of these guys were acting, the ones that could actually act, because I'm sorry, that one fucking idiot that's Jimmy O. Yang's half-brother, like, oh, he, he, was terrible. he could not act. He's a CW he, actor He could not best. act. But, like, I have no idea what kind of direction they, they were given. Like, they were given, like, they. I thought I was watching a soap opera with most of them. Like, it's, like, I, I don't know how many more times we can mention yeah. the CW. It like, felt like CW the movie. Literally. But... It was shot like it for and sure. And that's just the first half. So the halfway point is when they kind of start to wake up and realize that their fantasies, you know, were like kind of nightmares or whatever. And then, of course, you have the Michael Pena character, Mr. Roar, coming in and just being like, oh, your fantasies are, uh, what's it called? You know, they have to fulfill their way to their natural conclusion or whatever. And then somehow Maggie Q manages to guilt trip him into giving her the fantasy that she really wanted, which was going to this ap- going back into this burning apartment building and saving this one guy because she accidentally lit an apartment on fire. And then it turned out that they were all there. And it literally, this is where the movie goes full on lost. And I'm like, okay, so this is the abandonment of the one plot line, which is the fantasy trying to kill yep. you and just going into another non sequitur where it's like, oh, but they were actually connected before. But it doesn't in the sloppiest way possible. I'm like, what the actual fuck is happening? Because what I actually kind of liked about this movie is the movie for once did actually feel like it wasn't going to fall for that trope and be like, oh, they all knew each other before. And then they just decided to bring it up halfway through. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. (coughs) The thing is, though, all the reveals in this film, and and I think you're right. I think what we're sort of finding as we, we sort of trudge through this movie is that yeah the direction is probably a lot of the reasons why this film failed it's not the only reason but with that being said i think what i'm sort of finding at least in this conversation is is the fact of the matter of like even if they had some cool reveals that could have been interesting or could have been homage to other titles it was just done so poorly that in moments where you should have been like oh what was that we laughed or we were like Dude, that's like this character's this character from that show, and this guy's that. I like, found we more entertainment. You know what I mean? In, in, I found more entertainment in the side <laughs> jokes that I was telling you yeah, that had too. nothing to do with the movie than with this actual movie. Me too. And so after that <laughs> twist with the fire and the, and the changing of the vision, then Mackie Q of because of course she can't succeed in whatever it is that she's trying to do because Mackie mm-hmm. Q is the only character dumb enough to leave the one fantasy behind that's already working for her and go to another fantasy where she knows she's gonna get killed. So. Then she gets rescued by Michael Pena's wife, who's kind of just been there at this point. But again, that's already hinting up into a a reveal that we can pretty much figure out already because we've seen like this black goo dripping. Okay, if if we're to believe this lost illusion, it's that like, you know, the island is a force of its own. Michael Pena is its caretaker and it brought the wife back for him just so that he would continue to be its caretaker. You know, again, shit that we've seen a million times before and shit that we can figure out and see coming a mile away. But then... To add into, and then everyone is kind of like going throughout their own individual storylines, kind of bring everything to halt. The fantasies are crossing over with one another. Things get really confusing. I cheered when Jimmy O. Yang's, when his half brother gets killed. And again, that just, that, that, can we talk about like those interactions between Jimmy O. Yang and the half brother and the explanations that they come up with and like the line delivery? Like, I get it. It's CW bad. But like those moments in and of themselves were like, I, I'm like, how, 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 how does, how does this stuff make it into film? Specifically, how does 
other stuff make it onto the big screen? So to not be too much of like an asshole or sound too much of like a... You're being nicer than I am. I'm trying to be a little nice here because I understand that this movie is meant to be over the top and is meant to be silly and ridiculous. But we've seen good movies do that and still deliver and give you a feeling of like, I watched something that was artistic, but maybe in a little more of a silly way. So those two characters... And their relationship was almost offensive when you know that there are good films out there that have pulled off that sort of dynamic before. For example, what's coming to mind right now is like Pineapple Express, right? You have these two goofballs who go on this crazy adventure together. But the thing is, that movie's done tastefully. That that movie is intricately woven. You could tell that there was time and care into their dynamic. And their dynamic is ridiculous. And and just as the same as Jimmy O. Yang's character in this fucking CW fuck who we don't even know his name. Literally. I think his name's Ryan Hansen or yeah, something like, like that. The, the nonstop high fiving and and, and the like stupid the ass like it was almost like the director hadn't heard lingo evolve from the nineties and was like this is how people still I'm probably still, talk yeah, right. Literally, it's and like I'm watching a Blumhouse horror movie. So and yet in moments like these, I feel like I'm watching a Disney Channel sitcom, not even a regular sitcom. A yeah, did like all it insulted those shitty, me a little bit, but it was fun. All those shitty Disney Channel Nickelodeon rom coms that I watched when I was twelve or thirteen. Like That's I watched what it is. all of them, That's every what single it is. one. I Carly, Victorious, like that's fucking a Raven shake, and all that shake shit. it up. No, that's a Raven who had better writing than this fucking piece of shit. Yeah, did. I guess it did. That's a Raven had better <laughs> fucking writing than this piece of it shit. Fucking did. But, oh yeah, literally, I've seen. And I know every one of them. I've seen them all. Wow. Fucking Jesse, Sweet Life. I can keep going. The point being is that yeah. I'm sorry, but this is the third time now. After Truth or Dare and Black Christmas, where I've seen this kind of dialogue in these types of movies, and I'm like, what the fuck? So, to be Who honest with you... Who is your audience demographic here? I think that this episode should be titled Blumhouse and Fantasy Island, because I think that we've sort of beat the dead horse on specifically talking about Fantasy Island, but I have to ask you, as someone who's seen way more films than me, that's no secret to our audience, and someone who sort of... You put the Blumhouse films on the list, and I'm like, cool, let's do it. How do you feel about them now that we've seen Glass, we've seen Black Christmas, we've seen Fantasy Island? Like, is your opinion changing? It's not, because the problem is that as terrible as this movie is, and don't get me wrong, look, we still have more plot from this movie to cover, but don't worry, we will, because, oh, we just have to, if you thought it was stupid now, oh, boy, it only gets stupid over here. We have to go here real quick, though, I think. Yeah, we have to, because the thing is that, is that as terrible as this movie was, it still doesn't change a goddamn thing about my thought process, because the sad bad part is, is that bl- and probably the reason why I still give this studio as much attention say as I do like an A24 like a Focus Features like an Annapurna you know all of that is because their track record is just too goddamn interesting to not pay attention like this is the, the, the keep this in mind the same studio that gave us Whiplash Black Klansman Get Out Split and Upgrade gave us and the Halloween remake gave us every single paranormal activity movie we've ever gotten Truth or Dare, um, I I didn't like the Halloween remake personally, so that's why I stuck it on the best. Glass, it, but... yeah, Glass. Like, you see where I'm going here? Like For the, every hit, they have a for miss. For every hit, they have a miss. But they, they've also, this is also the series that made the Purge movies relevant. You know, they started off the Purge series. Everyone thought that shit was going to be a joke after that mm-hmm. first movie. And now the Purge is like a national phenomenon. To the point where it's almost like a goddamn holiday when the latest Purge project comes out. You know, like they were doing a TV show. Yeah. I think they've got another movie coming out later this year. You know, like Blumhouse is too interesting. And the thing is, is that I feel like every single time I'm ready to write them off, as just being another schlocky nothing studio. Every single time I'm ready to write them off, they're like, oh, you're, you get to get out. And I'm like, fuck, now I gotta pay attention. And then they're like, okay, I don't care. 
And then they do, you know, they do Truth or Dare. I'm like, okay, fuck them. And then they do Upgrade. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? Where did that come from? Like, that movie's actually really good. Like, do more shit like that. And I heard the Creep movies with Mark Duplass are both really good. And I'm just like, I literally, it, 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 they're the only studio where I'm in this position of where, like, I don't know where to go. Every time I'm, I feel like I'm in an abusive relationship with you. Like every single time I'm ready to walk out the door, you give me another enticing reason to stay, you know? And I know that at the end of the day, there's going to be another bullshit reason for me to leave behind it. But just for that one moment, there's that one crumb of gold inside this massive steaming pile of shit. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I guess to me, it sort of seems like you're sticking around for the... Because when they the hit mystery. good, they hit great. Yeah. They really do. Like, I like even though I didn't like the Halloween remake, just the fact that I was... In, just the fact that they were a studio that got me interested in wanting to watch a Halloween remake. When I've already gone on record by stating that not only do I think the original Halloween is the masterpiece that everybody makes it out to be, I think without John Carpenter, that movie does not last stand the test of time as well, but also because that's well, yeah. the movie that kickstarted the subgenre of horror that I can't stand the most, which is the slasher genre. Okay, well, that, I think, is a conversation for a different day. Definitely. But what I will say is, I need to know now, because I feel like in this day and age, trailers give you so much that... I think we kind of went, I mean, I know we went and saw this movie because it's February and it's already a lackluster February yeah. on top of what which, February usually is. Which is so is. disappointing because fe so, because the February of the last couple of years has been so goddamn impressive. Everybody gives Deadpool credit for that, but me, I would go so far back as even before that with the Lego movie was what got me invested and we're in a really lackluster February right now. Yeah. But so, so with that being said, I wanted to ask you, would you have seen this movie, say it came out in a May or a June, or this would have just been one that, because I feel like we kind of knew this was going to be the kind of movie it was right like yeah. would you agree with that just based on the director's track track record alone i i yeah. kind of had a feeling not quite i didn't know how quite to the level of bamboozled i was going to be after this movie but i knew it was definitely going to be something but yeah the in terms of the release dates question like release dates to me like have no impact well, we on only, whether we i'm going to watch a movie we you know? only saw this though because it's a dull season right now. well i was right? going to watch it regardless or, okay, like because so you I, because, I, right. because again, again it's one of those movies where it's like even if this is going to be a bad movie there's enough interest here for me to want to watch it but also it's a and fact is that of, because it's blum House or is that because of the title Both and, and all of the above? You know, Blumhouse, okay. it's you know, Fantasy Island. I'm like, okay, this could like prove entertaining at the very least. I know this director, even though he's not a good director at all, he's proven to, to be entertaining. And right. yeah, I, I feel like this could like have some intrigue to it, you know? Okay. I was just trying to because kind I of just, all of the above. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to like get I want to get in your head a little bit on this, you know, yeah. since you're sort of more of the Blumhouse aficionado here. I, I guess so. barely. Like I said, <laughs> they've been around a lot longer than I've been into them. But so my whole thing is that. Oh, okay. We get to the third act now because I, I really want to spoil this shit. This is yeah, we're, this we're is where it gets act. really, really funny. Territory. So the fantasies have all crossed over. The survivors have gotten together. They're like, oh, what the fuck is happening? You know, all that usual shtick. Um, and and they're back to being five because even though Jimmy O Yang's brother got axed, they have the subject of Lucy Hale's fantasy Portia Doubleday with them now, and they're all trying to escape the island. Michael Worker, who again was probably the most entertaining character to watch so far was axed off. But even him, they didn't really give anything to do because him, it's like whole thing is like where, yeah, I came here for my fantasy, but I was really an undercover journalist investigating. So it's like, oh, okay. And, and it's, it's more just like kind of delivered to us and it kind of relies on Michael Worker's charm to get us through that character. But so we get to the third act and they're like, oh, we're going to get a plane off. And the plane blows up uh, because of the because of the drug lords from the one fantasy. And the whole thing is that now the island has gotten to the point where now every time they kill a foe, the island, like, resurrects them as zombies, you know, with its evil, like, CG black slush. 
I don't necessarily know what looks worse, the smoke, the CG smoke monster from Lost or this Blackwater, but whatever the case is. Uh, this Blackwater, so 100% looks It turns worse. out that the source <laughs> of the island, again, let us know if this sounds familiar here, the source of the island is this underground spring where the water contains memories or something like that, and that's why, because the whole thing that's established, and again, glad that they explained it to me because I would have missed it from the beginning, is that... Their, their drinks were spiked with the water, and the water takes the, their memories and, and brings it to life. So it's not really giving you your fantasy, you know, if I'm breaking it down in the most technical terms that I can at least understand. It's giving you basically, it's just replaying memories for you, you know, and there's yeah. not really anything you could do to change it. It's more nope. so just a matter of, like, which memory you kind of want to be stuck in, you know? Mm -hmm. And once you drink it, you're locked yeah, in. Yeah, and so the Michael Pena character comes in, he, like, explains it. Like, he, again, it's not really evil, but, like, it doesn't really matter at this point because he's just so boring. And Real quick, just... you say he explains it. He kind of just bores you to death, and you kind of zone yeah, but it's, out. It's and the don't typical third act villain. It's so. a typical third act villain revelation. So yeah. it's like even as boring as it is, like at the very least, it's like okay, finally some answers. And then we get the creme de la creme of third act twists, where I don't know what it is with Jeff Wadlow and his fascination with making Lucy Hale the most shallowest of shallow characters in every single movie that she's in. But somehow, we're expected to believe out of nowhere that all of this stuff that we've been witnessing, like the fire, everything, is all this elaborate revenge plot because the person that they accidentally killed in the fire, who's also this one zombie that's been following them around, was Lucy Hale's... What, what was it? Her ex-boyfriend? Something they like that? They were dating. They were dating Something and they like had a that. connection. He's, and, he's the jump scare of the film, But apparently, like, she felt like the time wasn't right. So if anything, it's her fault for the reason for why they were never an item. But now all of a sudden, because he's dead, she's like, okay, I'm going to bring all these people to an elaborate island and trap them. Oh, and by the way, I see really still do hate my bully that bullied me when I was five years or however old she was on the internet. And I'm like, really? Dude, we're this, still making this a thing? Th th this whole fucking movie, I just realized it. And listen, I think I'm about to blow your mind. Oh this, my god, please This movie do. should please be called do. First World Problems, the film. Because Thank you! It's, because it's all these Thank people you. being upset that they didn't pursue something that would have made their lives even more cushy than yeah. it already was. And so they want a second the, chance yeah. to fucking make their lives even more Literally, cushy. Literally, I it's think the, the, dumb, the It's only... the worst, the worst compelling narrative fucking driving force that I've seen in so long that it's laughable and I think that's why we did laugh the a lot of this The only compelling story arc that's not like a first word shallow ass problem is the storyline with the Austin Soul character and his dad because that's the only storyline that actually feels like it's trying to have some emotional depth. Now granted you have these fucking bullshit ass other soldiers that are cracking terrible jokes every three seconds but at the very least that one feels like it's got some emotional resonance to it and the rest of it it's like yeah, if you want to say that. Wow. Like, <laughs> I, I am truly, I was truly baffled by this movie. And, yeah. and they kill Lucy Hale at the very least. It's super entertaining. Uh, it sucks. Do, do I have to call Lucy Hale a scream queen now? I just realized that. You know, the term oh, scream God. queen, it's like all those girls, those, those actresses that like, became famous because they like, we're in horror movies, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis for the Halloween yeah. movies, Nev Campbell for the Scream movies. Um, I think it goes back all the way to like Faye Ray, who like well, made her name. Well, doesn't queen signify you're a ruler? Meaning that you you uh, have done something good to get in power. I guess I think that might be reading it reading into it a little bit. Too I know I'm much. just being I'm just being an asshole. I guess. But, but uh, with that with that being said, man, 
personally. Oh, we even got to the, well, I mean, we already kind of talked about it, but the whole Jimmy O. Yang deciding to stay on the island as its new caretaker so that his brother can be brought back to life. And that's like the ending of Lost where Hurley and Ben stay back and they watch all the other people leave the fucking Right, except, you know, you've also got the alternative storyline there where it's like Hurley is still with them. You didn't finish it, my bad. I already know. (laughs) Dude, I have the internet. I already know everything that happens. True, true, true. Man, to be honest with you, I know what happens, at least for me right now, and is I have nothing else to say about this. Literally. Film. And this so is probably going to go to our summary episode. and ratings. I'm down for it because there's no, we've broken this movie down. We have been, we we have tried. We have put both of our minds to use, and we still are at the exact same conclusion that we were before. Like well, I'm, I'm proud of what we did me here too, today. But like we I, worked with nothing. We were given yeah, nothing for this episode, definitely. and we made something out of it. Absolutely, and that's more than they did with this film. Yeah. So seriously. in conclusion, Dom, who you want me to go first? You want to you go can first? go first. I've talked about this fucking movie enough. So basically, what I will say is this was a fun night out. Okay, the movie was making me laugh, but it was also making me feel the reverse opposite of what they wanted me to feel on screen. Very similar to when I recently saw the new Star Wars movie. So with that being said, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. As my good friend Dom said, what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? That is this film. Thank you for just further exemplifying why everyone hates Lost, because guess what? You're wrong, and you just did us a big disservice to us Lost junkies out there. So with that being said, the island's going to get you, creators of this movie, and I hope that this rating is a little slap in the face to how fucking pissed I am that you just shit over all over Lost every 15 minutes in this goddamn film. You're getting point. Two five of a star. Ooh. This was a terrible film, yeah, but it was a good time a, hanging is, out with this you. This is a really bad movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. You basically took the words out of my. I'm again. I'm not a lost <laughs> junkie the way you are. So like the the. the but it was definitely to a point where I'm like, okay, I can tell when this is ripping something off. There's no, despite the fact that this movie is pitched as a remake. There's nothing in this movie that's original. Even if you know that. This is how bad this movie is. This movie is so bad that you know what the tropes are going to be before they even happen. That's how bad they are. It's like you said, it's first world problems the movie. None of these characters are relatable. Every single minute of this movie is either a cross between a CW nightmare or, or like something that's trying halfway to be funny, but the problem is the movie doesn't even really know how to balance out humor with anything else. It's a mismatch of tones. The, the the cheapness of Blumhouse shines through. The charm of Blumhouse has always been the fact that they can take their cheap-looking movies and infuse them with really good scripts, and, and this is not one, not at all, to the point where the only interesting actor in this entire movie is given the most boring part he's made into, like, the evil generic supervillain. So, with all that being said... Again, it's a fun time if you go in and you're super intoxicated and you just want to have a blast with your buddies. But in terms of this being an actually compelling movie, this movie in the equivalent of Double Toasted, this movie is a fuck you. I gave it like, <laughs> I, I'm serious. I gave yeah. it like a two and a half on my letterbox. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that was me being way too nice because I was kind of just caught up in it. Now that the, the effect has passed me, I'm like, I'm not going to remember this movie for a very long nope. time. I'm giving this movie one star. Yeah, I, I stand by my point too far. Oh, I, I, I agree. I, I wish I could go lower, but the fact is that this movie did entertain me. So at the very least, it gets that one thing for entertaining me. But but the only thing I enjoyed, and the last thing I'll say before we do our typical wrap-up spiel is, because you just made me realize this by saying that, very well done, by the way. I oh, really, thank you. I enjoyed your opinion on this, and I also respect how you're able to be so unbiased about things. It's, that's to. why I like doing the show with you, man. That was very, I was very impressed by that. But I will say this much. This movie, to me, only was a good night hanging out 
with you and just chilling. Yeah. That's Nothing about this film that is, is the only. Me, so. You know what I compared this to? I compared this at the time when I, two years ago, when I watched Wrinkle in Time up at school with my buddy Oliver, and I got high as fuck for that movie. I don't remember a goddamn thing about that movie, but all I know is that me and Oliver had a blast watching it. That's all that I tell people <laughs> about that movie. And you want to know what these two movies had in common? They both had Michael Pena in them. Goddamn it, Michael Pena. Stop doing these fucking bullshit movies. Go yeah, back to being needs, good at movies. He needs a better agent or something. Seriously. But uh, with, with that being said, Dom, why don't you. Tell the people where they can find you. Well, if you want to find and listen to more episodes of Talkin' TV, we are on everywhere that you can basically listen to podcasts. We are on Anchor, our distribution service that goes to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. We are also on our social media pages, Instagram and Facebook, at Talkin' TV or at Talking TV podcast, no G. And as for myself, my personal pages, you can find me across all social media platforms under the term Movie Nerd Reviews, which is, of course, my name. It has been my name. It always will be my name. The internet will not take that from me on Facebook, <laughs> on Instagram, on YouTube. Chris, where can the good people find you? As always, you guys can find me at Christian Ivanko. It's my first and last name. Don't wear it out. I'm on all social media platforms there. I make music in my band called The Stash, S-T-A-S-H. I have another podcast on the same network as this one called Talkin' with Andrew and Chris. And just like our show right now, yank that G right out of the equation. And with that being said, the last thing, the way we love to conclude this. And also, if you just watch this film, then you're going to need to watch more fucking movies. Seriously, get better taste. We out.